optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now what is it in a broken time? What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com TFS. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, boys and girls. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job to deconstruct world-class performers of all different types to tease out the habits, routines, tactics, coping mechanisms, favorite books, whatever that you can apply and test in your own life. This episode features one of my favorite comedians of all time, and he's a young feller, Gerard Carmichael. On Twitter, you can say hello, at NotoriousROD. He is pushing the boundaries of comedy with his groundbreaking work in stand-up, television, and film. Now, he is just 29 years old, and what this North Carolina native has accomplished in that short period of time is mind-boggling to me. And I know a lot of productive people. We get into his work process. We talk about how he gets so much done. And if you visit him on social media right now, he has zero posts on Twitter, 
on Instagram at Gerard Carmichael. And 2017 is going to be his biggest year yet. So we do talk about focus and how he went from East Coast to West Coast and got all of this done. Gerard stars in the hit NBC series, The Carmichael Show, which he also writes and executive produces. The third season of that show is premiering this year in 2017. In March of 2017, this year, Gerard will star in his second stand-up comedy special on HBO directed by Bo Burnham. He made his debut on HBO in 2014 with his critically acclaimed one-hour special, Love at the Store, directed by Spike Lee. So Love at the Store, this is a name I want you to remember. (laughs) You have to watch this. It is arguably the funniest stand-up special I've seen in many, many years, and it's the reason that I initially reached out to have Gerard on the podcast. It left me in total hysterics on a transatlantic flight. Some wine might have been involved, but it terrified everyone because I could not stop bursting out laughing out loud while other people were trying to sleep. Sorry, everybody, but it's that good. And immediately, as soon as I got off the flight, started texting my friends, guys, you have to check out Love at the Store. So watch that and you'll know why I reached out to Gerard. Now on the big screen this June, Gerard joins the cast of Michael Bay's Transformers, The Last Night, opposite Mark Wahlberg, Josh Duhamel, am I getting that right? D-U-H-A-M-E-L, and Anthony Hopkins. He'll also appear in James Franco's The Masterpiece, set to be released in 2017. In the summer of last year, 2016, Gerard reprised his role as Garf. If you've seen Neighbors, he did that in the Universal Comedy sequel, Neighbors 2, opposite Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. I originally met in uh, an indirect way, Gerard through Seth and uh, Evan, more specifically Evan Goldberg, both of whom have been on the podcast before. He also starred as Freddie opposite Rose Byrne, Susan Sarandon, and J.K. Simmons in The Meddler, which was released April 2016. So this guy's going nowhere but up. As far as I can tell, the most incredible work ethic and focus of anyone I've met in a very long time. And he'll have an upcoming as yet untitled memoir coming out through Random House. He's got a million things going. How does he do it? We dig into all of it. And we also discuss dangerous comedy and much, much more. So please enjoy my conversation, as wide-ranging as it is, with Gerard Carmichael. Sir, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I am so excited to finally sit down and record this, because (laughs) I remember very, very specifically the first time I was introduced to you, and it was actually on the working set for Neighbors 2. You had not yet arrived, but your picture was up alongside a, a bunch of other people who were going to be appearing in the movie. Yeah. And I was on the set because I was going to be interviewing Evan yeah. Goldberg and Seth Rogen. And we were going through a few of the names. I was asking questions about folks and he pointed to yours because I mentioned <laughs> how I'd watched Neighbors and enjoyed your particular role in that movie. And he said, oh, he's going to be really big. Along those oh, wow. lines is what he said. Oh, wow. And, Very nice. And then shortly thereafter, I think I told you about this. We have all sorts of exciting sounds going oh, yeah, on. We got a it. raven. We, we got raven. running water. A raven who's lost her family. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a flight, an international flight, and Love at the Store was one of the options. Yeah. So you're, you're special. And it may or may not have been the case that I had one or two glasses of wine. Oh, that's the only way to watch but it, it. But it was a sleeper. So everyone was asleep except for me. And I'm drinking wine and watching your stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to be kicked out of the cabin <laughs> because I laughed so much. And as soon as I landed, I did two things. Mm-hmm. So one of my friends, uh, Mike, I immediately sent him a text 
and I said, you have to watch this stand-up immediately, number one. Oh, wow. And number two is that I went on Twitter, and this is how we met, if you might remember, and I said, is the Evan in your stand-up special Evan yeah, that's Goldberg. Right. That's right. That and that's how we first, connected. That's right. And it was Evan Goldberg yeah. who uh, was in the audience for the show. And I just talked to him, like just like midway through the show, just start talking to Evan. <laughs> that was great. I mean, and you, you do a few things that I haven't seen in finished specials before. Another was you, you will refer to your notes on stage sometimes. Yeah. For, for uh, Love at the Store, like the intention was to just capture me. Uh, like uh, a Saturday night at the comedy store. You know, I wanted it to be very, uh, truthfully, we cut for time, but like uh, Jamar Neighbors, who's this hilarious guy, my best friend, went up before me. Uh, like I had this guy, Argus Hamilton, who's just like this legend of the comedy store and of the scene. Um, like he was, there, like it just felt kind of like a Saturday, like we're doing spots and and I wanted to just capture it. And just me working out material, it was very much so like a, like an exercise. It was like, oh yeah, and I refer to notes because i was trying out i i did new stuff on that special you did yeah i did like new material with well, and i also remember asking you about your interactions with the audience like at one point you said your skin is so milky yeah, this yeah one moment the they said right i don't there. think i've used that adjective ever in my life yeah it was it was the thing that popped in my head like i saw her. i was like yeah she had really milky skin <laughs> <laughs> you describe it yeah, accurately. It was like, I That's, thought it was, it was it was pretty milky, right? It was. Oh, it was I don't want to be wrong. No, it was yeah. very accurately described. How did you first connect with Evan? Evan, I met because I want to get this right. I I met like Josh and Alex who work at his company, and then I believe I met Evan actually on the set of the First Neighbors. I believe uh, he he see me you know and and you know he and like nick stoller and seth you know all, all involved hired all involved in hiring me but i'm trying to think the first time we met i think was on set at neighbors and he's just like this i mean it has incredible energy he has I, incredible energy he has incredible he, energy he yeah. never sits during meetings no he's always standing or doing like a golem squat yes he has very good squat form very amazing <laughs> squat form he paces around he's like he i mean and so many ideas. I've never met someone who has as many like ideas as Evan. Oh, like yeah. just like just like rapid fire, like and is able to take a thing and like bend it and and prod it on all sides. And he it's it's incredible just watching Evan in a room. He's a prolific generator of ideas. Insane. And, and I remember one of the and we're gonna talk a lot about I think how you develop your material and process, but I remember one of the experiences that I had in Atlanta was sitting in the, I suppose the writer's room while they were spitballing ideas. Yeah. And one person was manning a keyboard, mm -hmm. typing everything in. Mm -hmm. And they had many, many, many different revisions of this script, which as I understand it is very kind of Judd Apatow, meaning like what the script comes in looking at and is nothing like the end product. changes to something else. Yeah. And so they were all shouting out suggestions and Evan said, fuck, I think every third word. And it was just typed right in. And I remember at one point I was like, what's next? Because fuck is every third word. Yeah, and he said to me, he goes, no, the important thing, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you, you want to keep the generating of ideas and the editing of ideas separate. And yeah. you can always de you can always defuck the script later. <laughs> I just remember that line. You can defuck you can the, can script, the later. script later. That's actually, that's brilliant. You can defuck the script later. When do you 
remember if you do kind of your your first memory of working on comedy or being funny oh that's a that's a great question i think i was uh so when i was a kid we used to just uh record things it was infatuated we would take like the the camcorder oh, yeah. and 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 just like record things and do sketches and, and or what well, i guess our sketch you, you don't know what they there's no form right there's like no you're just like recording whatever yeah freestyling freestyling and you <laughs> and we like and I, when you say uh, we this is you me the kids in the neighborhood my family you know, everyone's involved and we're all, it's, I, I was really blessed to be around a lot of like creative minds, like people who are just like down and really creative and like really uh, excited about just like jumping into characters and, and doing things. And so that was kind of the first experience, just kind of, uh, but r- truthfully, eighth grade was uh, really important for me. Like just comedy, specifically just comedy and thinking that I was maybe funny, <laughs> you know. Why eighth grade? What happened in eighth grade? I had a teacher who um, who got me started reading the newspaper. And it was funny. Do you remember his or her name? Oh, Kwame Nyeri. So this guy. All right. You know, just when uh, Kwame Nyeri had me read the autobiography of Malcolm X, start reading like like the, the New York Times and like the local newspaper. And this is like in eighth grade. And, and taking in all this information uh and like learning and kind of discovering myself like humor was just this big it was how i broke the tension of any information that i received so i remember specifically there being one moment in class i don't know why this stands out so much but uh, he wanted to have a debate right and so we were we read an article i don't remember specifically what it was about but we were choosing it was a guy that committed a crime and were deciding whether or not it was justified and we're supposed to pick sides as a class. And he, he said, well, who thinks the crime, you know, wasn't justified? And everyone in the class except me raised their hand. <laughs> and then they were like, well, who thinks it was? And it was just me. And then for the next hour, no exaggeration, I debated like 23 other students <laughs> on like just like, oh, why this man deserved to commit a crime. And it was the most fun I ever had. It was like it was like having information and then being able to put your own filter and manipulate it in in your own way was so important to me. And that's kind of that's in a sense that's kind of my if my comedy has a style or an intention behind it. It's it's that eighth grade class me against everyone else in the class. Well, that's part of the reason why I insisted my friend Mike watch your stuff. Yeah, which I know Mike really well. I mean. 10 out of 10 hit with Mike also. But I remember watching, and I'm not going to spoil it for folks. Um, There are a few instances in particular that because I don't have the delivery and I wouldn't give you the context, I would get in trouble for just by mentioning. But I recommend everybody check it out. And I think there will be a moment for everyone where you will probably feel extremely uncomfortable, offended, or both. And that is good for you. It's healthy. So so I'll leave it. It's really healthy. I'll leave it at that. But... You grew up in North Carolina. In North Carolina, yeah. How would you describe your family and uh, childhood? We had fun. <laughs> you know, like we had fun. I get like I can't speak for everyone in the neighborhood, but we enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> like my childhood was um, just asking a lot of questions. Really, you know, uh, 
really curious about everything, you know, and a family that allowed room for that. Like, you know, everything was challenged. We questioned everything, like a lot of arguments, you know, like it was constant arguing, but fun arguments, you know, like amongst the family and friends in the neighborhood. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my childhood a lot. I mean, we didn't have like a lot of money, but it was, it was great. It was great. It was like, I had a really creative childhood, I think. How did your parents help foster that? Uh, they gave me a lot of freedom. And and especially in this neighborhood, like I didn't, I've never had a curfew. I never had a, like, I would just be like, all right, mom, going out. And she's like, all right, be safe. Very, uh, she just said a prayer and just sent me out into the world, <laughs> you know, and I, just me and my friends, we just kind of go out and, you know, go get in fights and all the silly things that you Throw do in, the, in each yeah. other's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> and and they just gave me a lot of freedom. Like my mom and dad gave me a lot of freedom. So what gave them the, the which confidence? is so healthy? I hate when I see kids like being inhibited. Like it's like you have to like uh, yeah. otherwise. I guess you have to know the child. I guess the specifics of the child mm-hmm. though. But like, what did your parents do? Uh, my mom was a secretary at uh, the hospital, and my dad a truck driver. Did, did that mean your dad was gone a lot of the time? Or? Yeah, on the road a lot. Yeah, he was on the road a lot. So, you know, me and my brother and my mom, you know, a lot of times just, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It was really, I liked the, the neighborhood. It was so many characters, you know, like you, you grew up in like a neighborhood like that or the hood or whatever you call it. And it's, you know, so many characters. is in, It's very passionate, very interesting people. Yeah. Very passionate. Everyone feels very strongly about everything. <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. everything is very strong. Like the type of cigarette they smoke. The every every detail is really, you know, important to them. What was the catalyst for pursuing comedy as a career, as a profession? Um, it was a thing that I felt I was really good at. I wasn't doing anything. I was in North Carolina. I was like, I mean, I was working at a, you know, at a shoe store and just not really doing anything. Let me ask you maybe a strange question. How did you know you were good? That's a, no, that's a really good question because it is, I mean, validation to, obviously you want to have, you know, the feeling like inside your heart and know that you can do anything, right? Also, validation is important from outside sources. Like, I mean, you want to confirm that. I mean, if nobody's laughing <laughs> at some point, you know, at some point, you know, even, no matter how much you believe, like maybe this isn't a strength. You want to apply logic to, you know, your dreams and your beliefs. And, and, I, and I had friends who, you know, spoke very passionately about uh, one friend in particular who was like, no, you think like a comedian, like you really should do this. Like it's, it's different. It's like, it's funny, but it's not the way just the guy at your job is funny. It's like different. And, uh, and she pushed me really hard to do it. And, um, I, you just kind of know, like it was constant validation right? from, were you know, just in every situation, that. you're kind of that guy. And, you know, eventually you accept it. You either run from it or accept it. Were you doing... I mean, could you imagine I just like rebelled? It's like, no, I'm a lawyer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Did, were you doing open mics at the time or was it just through no, social interaction? I started comedy in LA. So you, I moved first and then did comedy because I'm competitive and you should be competitive at some point, you know? So explain that, meaning you didn't want to do it where you didn't feel 
the scene. I don't want to do it with someone. Yeah, where the scene's not necessarily strong. And and truthfully, there are great scenes around the country. There's you know Chicago and Atlanta and and San Francisco has an amazing comedy scene. You know, uh, but New York, L.A. You know, really New York for just repetition's sake. You know, like you can go up so many times, but but L.A. is what like there. It really is the best are here. The best are in New York. Like you want to be around the best. You don't want to just, you know, there are a lot of people kind of doing comedy sure. everywhere. I look, there's a lot of people kind of doing it in New York and LA too, but also you have these amazing comedians and these people who spend all of their time for it's, it, it you kind of have to create or go to the artist colony for whatever you do. I think, right. Like you got to find it and you want to, compete and you want to see what you have to gauge and you have to take the temperature of you know what oh, totally. we're talking about well i mean if you're the the average of the five people we also have a black helicopter coming to yeah pick up uh, some special operations yeah. folks who are having lunch next to us so, so many you, helicopters in LA. <laughs> a lot of helicopters in LA. an insane amount of helicopters so, i mean if you're the average of say the five people you associate with most then going to where the competition is the strongest is really important right so important and were your parents at all worried for you? Do you have to have a big conversation with them about packing up and moving west? Or? Yeah, it, it was kind of, you, you know what, I've been thinking about it. It's it been on my mind for a while. A guy came into the shoe store I was working at. Uh, mind you, I'm like, like 19, 20 at the time. What were you doing at the shoe store? Just selling shoes? Just or? selling them, man. Just putting insoles in. <laughs> Trying to sell you on some cleaner. You know, doing the, just the the whole thing. And I did a damn good job, gonna mind you. Yeah. You know, finish line. I sold a lot of, <laughs> you know, I, I think I deserved more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, cra- okay, anyway. But uh, a guy came in and he you know, just small talk with a, you know, a customer. And I'm like, you know, what do you do? And he said, he's an actor. He lives in LA. And I was like, man, I really I want to move to LA. And he was like, just move. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, just move. And then he got me, uh, uh, told me about, uh, West side rentals and, and, uh, uh, Craigslist and all these things. And I just found a place, told my parents, my sister bought me a plane ticket. Wow. My brother was excited. They were they were excited. My mom was more nervous. My dad was really encouraging. But uh, you know, you know, no one's ever done that from my neighborhood. You know, like no one had ever. I mean, what is that? Yeah, just move. You're gonna just move to Los Angeles to do comedy. <laughs> All right, seems to have worked out for you. You always have the shoes to fall back on. A comedy mean, thing. Yeah, listen, hey, I am not to toot my own horn, but I'm fucking amazing. <laughs> Uh, you know, I still can look at like certain shoes and like I, I know style numbers. <laughs> like, I'm just like style numbers. I know what department it is. All right. So let, now what made you good at selling shoes? I think the same thing that made me good at comedy book, uh, uh, interest, uh, uh, competition, competition among other employees. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Me and my, me and, uh, my friend Ben used to just, oh, uh, we, we competed on everything. Like everything was because if you're going to do it. In that moment, like, you know, you should have a need or, or at least a curiosity of, well, what is being the best at this feel like? Right? Like, like sure. got, I went bowling the other night and, you know, I first kind of playing around and then and then my friends start bowling a little bit better. And I was like, All right, well, I'm going to start bowling a little bit better. And you just and before you know it, like, I'm like at least at least spares on every front. Like I was like I was hot because competition, it, it drives you. Makes you better. Yeah, it makes you better. I love it. So. I want to talk about your daily schedule a little bit because yeah. I find it fascinating. 
So do you wake up do you wake up at a consistent time? Generally uh, or is it all over the place? It's kind of all over the place. Okay. I don't sleep a lot. Did I ever tell you you changed my life? I don't think so. Uh not disrupting REM cycles yeah. is genuinely it's helped so much for someone like me who really I mean, I, I got four and a half hours last night, which is not bad. It's not bad. A lot of, sometimes I'll do three, get solid 90 minute days in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like just, and I actually feel amazing on 90 minutes of sleep. I, I if you're getting the ultradian cycle, that, that 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Or in multiples of those 90, it makes a big difference. You, it changed. So I, it, it really helped. Like just, I don't sleep a lot. I mean, certain, certain nights, you know, you can kind of catch up, but I'm usually excited. I'm like, I'll like read until like four or five in the morning and then that's that's my programming too yeah late 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 late, late. and then uh, because of certain projects i'm i have to wake up early right you know like i have to be up at eight tomorrow which is you know not ideal but it's fun i mean you know you're up you do it we'll jump into some rehearsals or something what is the first phone call that you make each morning to my mom all right. Can you tell us about this? It, because I don't want to start my day with bullshit. <laughs> I don't like noise. You know, I don't like too much noise, right? It, as a helicopter flies above, right? <laughs> I don't like noise. Uh, I, my mom has a great spirit, like one of the purest people that I know. She doesn't overcomplicate anything. She has such a great I love starting I won't take business calls before I talk to her. my sister as well I'll, like my the first call of my day is really important so so sometimes I'll talk to like my sister first as well if like if my mom's too busy for me or something but like I actually really like starting a day a very peaceful brief conversation you know see see what she's doing is it just a general catch up or is there just kind of general what are you doing today just curious what i'm very curious is what she's doing what she's interested in you know like i talk to her for a few minutes and then i'll do other calls but like you you want to start it you know in a very peaceful place and then yell about marketing for an hour <laughs> <laughs> right you need the palate the like spiritual palate cleanser first exactly exactly cuz that first moment like you know you you just jump into a thing you know like you want to center yourself first for sure before How, jumping is there a particular in. way you end those calls just kind of a sweet i love you a, you know like a, a sweet or or me I, i'm more aggressive than she is so me you know like hey make sure you, I'm, I'm i'm trying to make sure my parents are hydrated so i'm like i like bust at her about water <laughs> every morning i'm just like all right my <laughs> You know, like have another have, glass of have water. Another gla yeah, have a have a couple liters today, and which is insane to her. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so there's something about moms and not hydrating. I don't know what does it your is. mom not hydrate? No, really? Yeah, a lot of a lot of mothers of my friends also their sons or daughters are on them about drinking more water. Drink more I, water. I don't know what it my is. mom and dad like. I every day just like how much water did you drink like it's the question so i'm more combative than she is she's in such a great constant state of zen and i'm just like yeah but but how much you know i'm like fussing at her about water you love life that's great let's talk about the water yeah how many ounces yeah yeah how many ounces yeah exactly <laughs> and so but she it's just a great way to start the day so you uh have and uh, i pinged evan before we met up as I mentioned, just try to get some some bullets to talk about. Yeah. One was, he seems to, well, and again, I'm paraphrasing this, but seems to eat the same things and eat at the same places constantly. <laughs> and then we sat down, we had a bite to eat just uh, maybe 20 minutes ago. 
and you had scrambled eggs and blueberries. Yeah. And you said, this has been your default, was it lunch for the last? Bre- well, breakfast, well, whatever time breakfast is, but right. yeah, for years. Blueberries and eggs, it just, I, I feel great. Blueberries and eggs, you know, and, and I used to do almonds, now walnuts. <laughs> start the day you know like that's the I, i'm a creature of habit you know and i like the restaurant and i like i like everything to kind of move efficiently i like the you know the rhythm you walk into a restaurant you know what you're getting you know you you bring friends they're familiar with you you're familiar with them saves your brain cycle so, yeah exactly because you can put all that energy toward like creating thinking figuring things out you know so you also mentioned something and i was like wait hold it i don't want to talk about it i want to talk about <laughs> it actually i do want to talk about it when we're recording that you had a uniform for a very long time yeah yeah i was wearing the same i bought like a lot of the same shirt it was just like white sweatshirt gray pants like timberlands <laughs> every day every day it, it worked in any place that i went that's what I like. It worked everywhere. Flexible. I go to I'll go to your wedding in this thing. I go to, <laughs> and, and just the same thing. And it because it took out so much time in, in my morning. That's, I mean, that's very much now, Steve Jobsian. That's what he did. Yeah, but now I'm like off a little bit. It's still kind of in the same. Why did you change it? I mean, clothes are fun. You know, I, I like I like certain clothes, and I, you know, I'll go through a phase and just and and I'm picking out you know a lot of like wardrobe for like the show and stuff like that. So it, I'm thinking about clothes, right? You know, but but you actually you want intention behind everything. So you know, I was just wearing the same thing; it was perfect. I'll go back to that. I'll absolutely you will. go. Yeah, I'll go back to that. What do you think your next uniform will be? Or will maybe it be the, the same? same thing? It worked. It worked. <laughs> it, but maybe switch. Maybe a maybe a gray sweatshirt. Go crazy. White James Purse sweatshirt, acne jeans, <laughs> and some Timberlands. <laughs> That's it. Every morning. You don't think about it. It's st- just in stacks. I just had stacks of the shirts and stacks of the pants and just grab, just grab the one off the top. Do you remember the first time that you bombed? Or what was the first memorable bomb? Ooh, my, my first set. Your first set? My first set was just, I mean atrocious this it was, was open, well, open mic open mic at the comedy store nobody was in the audience there was no it was an open mic i went up first at the open mic the the sun was up i was competing against the sun <laughs> and it's this giant window and, and and it's where i taped my first special it was like the giant window at the this comedy is in store. the original the original room of the comedy store yeah and it's it's august and the sun is up and they're just comedians in the back so i guess technically technically i didn't bomb but it wasn't a, it was a, it was a soliloquy. I was just doing a soliloquy up there. It wasn't comedy. <laughs> I just went up and did, yeah, I just kind of talked and talked way too fast and got off the stage. Talked way too fast. Yeah. How would you coach or what advice would you give to a comic? You see someone, they do a set and they just bomb and they're new and they yeah. come off and you can tell that they're totally demoralized. What do you say to that person? It's just people. <laughs> What do you mean? Like the audience, it's, it's people. We're all just people, you know, like it, it's no, you know, go do it again. But I, I honestly, sometimes the bombing indicates that you're going to, you know, some type of new territory for you and only, you know, you. So like sometimes it's good. It's a good thing. It's kind of like a cleansing, right. uh, you know, and so you can't run from it. You, you know, tell yourself it'll never happen again. It will. But tell yourself that it won't and go do it again, you know, and stop, you know, a lot of 
I wonder if it's like this in, I mean, I know comedy really well, but everyone's like kind of looking for like rules right. to follow. And, and the sooner you realize there aren't any, the, the better art can be, <laughs> you know, like it's like, cause we, people start looking for like, well, you got to do this first and you, you know, um, for that first special, I, I remember, um, I got a lot of like flack from especially like older comics and just like, well, he's checking his notes on HBO. <laughs> What is this kid doing? And you're like, you we're know? in the Ten Commandments of Comedy. Yeah, that where, room. where, <laughs> where? You know what I mean? Mort Saul checked his nose. You know, he was fine. Like, like, you can do whatever you want. You can, and people don't accept that. People don't know how free they are. My understanding with the, just to, to talk about the original room, did they let cameras in there a lot? That was the first time anyone had taped anything in there. How did that happen? Uh... I mean, we were pretty persistent. I had a really specific vision, you know, me and my, my friend Andrew uh, had talked about specifically what it would look like and what that first special would be. And so it just had to be that room. So it was just pretty insistent. And, you know. Now, they, of course, have the power to say no, right? So you yeah. can't just hit them with the same pitch 40 times in a row. Yeah. They're going to be like, well, then, but fuck on off, the, kid, number one. But on the 35th time, smile more. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just smile, yeah. you know, you add a little we were just pretty I mean, that that room had been very special to me and it, it just kind of worked out. We you know, I'm I'm very thankful they had never done it before, but there was no ex- no reason to not do it just because you never done it before. So, you know, I guess you were able to convince them, you know, it, HBO I wasn't just bringing, you know, it wasn't just like me and a couple friends with camcorders. This was like this was like HBO. I'm you didn't bring your over the shoulder VHS. Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, but let us let us release this. Like this was HBO, you know, and 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 uh, you know, because of that certain amount of exclusivity, I think it was a good first time for them. Yeah, I think so. I think some people have recorded in there since, but like no one, and especially in that room. Yeah, yeah. I had my first ever walkthrough tour. Of uh, comedy store by what was that? Uh, Brian Callen uh, a while back. You know, Brian Callen bought me my first car in LA. Really? Brian Callen and Dove Davidoff bought me a car. I was never walking. met Dove. Also, one of my favorites. He, they're they're both incredible. Like I, I'm I'm so thankful for them. And like really, like it was like Brian Callen, Dove Davidoff, Brett Ernst would look out for me. Al Magical would look out, and and all these people were just like really. Bill Burr would, was like so nice to me, um, and, but Brian and Dove bought me a car. Wow! It, like in because I was like walking and like you shouldn't do it, and they, I got like a text like go pick up your car. Like we we done a weekend in uh, La Jolla, and then on that Monday they, I just got a text like go pick up your car, and, and it, it, I mean it was one of the nicest things. Good guys. Brian is amazing. He's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart of a so guy. So funny. So great. And he walked me through and he's like, yeah. And then here's the table. You can see all the scratch marks from razor blades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where all the comedians oh, are doing tables. lines. There's a little <laughs> piano in, in one of the green rooms. And it's a little tiny glass piano. Not a real piano. It's just a table, a coffee table that looks like one. It's so many lines. And we like to, me and my friend Angelo used to like to point to the lines and assign them to certain comedians. Like, oh, there's Richard Pryor's. Like, like, just like, just assign it to like... His razor blade signature. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's still there. <laughs> We're so excited. Uh, what other routines do you have that are important to you or things that you repeat? You mentioned the food, which for me is extremely key. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about what to have for breakfast. Yeah. Locations. 
I repeat locations all the time. You oh, mentioned the clothing, which is something that has been true for me for a long time, but I've aspired to have a uniform, yeah, more of a uniform. Also to make me care less about what people think of my external appearance. Yeah. Like, yeah. If well, you just have like a white Hanes shirt and jeans, it's totally fine. And if people are judging you because of that, then... People, the, the people that matter realize that all that you should focus on is the work. Right. right now, at, at clothing or all, all these things, as it relates to work, are important. Right. You know, like like it's a lot of intention behind, like like I said, like wardrobe for the show with that type of thing. I think about that because I think everything should have some type of intention behind it. But as far as just like I look, I mean, make you feel good. I mean, obviously, clothing can you know make someone feel good, but focus on like work focus on something of substance that right. means something you know and that's why because if you if being a creature of habit works so good because you don't spend a lot and you were talking about like listening to music while working right, right. And, and we're talking if you spend all of your energy trying to figure out where you are and yeah. re reorient yourself like like all right well what is this? And you're looking around, you're not focused on what you're supposed to focus right. on. So you go to the same place, you sit in the same spot and you just, so then you can ignore everything and you can just, you know, be directed inward. Well, we were talking about music just to touch on that because I'm able to work to certain types of music, mm -hmm. generally instrumental, often electronica, but it seems like neither of us can work to jazz. Yeah, I want to figure it out. I play it and sometimes and try and write, but I just want to figure it out. It's like, man, what is Miles Davis doing right yeah, now? You're trying to dissect what's happening. Yeah, you want to how it's composed. It's on a whole, and and so I have to I just listen to it separate. I can think to it, you know, and like just but but if I'm like writing or if I'm sp trying to work on something really specific, like uh, just silence. <laughs> what uh, what are some of the best decisions that you made in the first few years of your career? You land in L.A. Oh. Do you remember any of the decisions um, that maintain a certain amount of exclusivity for yourself? What does that mean? Uh, I think, uh, for instance, like uh, you don't go, don't go. We're just talking about habits, so it's going to seem like it immediately contradicts it. But, but like even like open mics, I wouldn't do the exact same open mics every time because you do it, you do well, and then move on to the next place like stay in motion you know and that's that's specifically for you know what i was doing and i'm sure it applies to other things too but you know don't stay in one spot too long you know as don't get too comfortable don't get too comfortable you know like while working you know like while um that sounds like the complete opposite of what I just said, but I mean it for like doing stand up and like that type of thing. Well, it's like, well, there's don't also, hit up the same spots. Like, well, there's also a big difference, maybe, and sorry to interrupt, but I just thought that maybe there's a big difference between having habit and routine for training. Yeah. But then performing, you want to be able to do yeah. well in different environments. Spread it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, it, that, yeah, training is one thing. And when you work, that's, thank you very much. It saved me. It sounded <laughs> like a complete, it's like, what, I but, think you were doing fine. But what if I, like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah, it, but, but it is that. It is that. Like, and, and so that was really, uh, uh, useful. Um, surrounding yourself with like minded people. All my friends, I, I'm, the thing that I feel luckiest with is like the group of people that I'm around. I, I really have excellent friends who like care about like making things and creating and like don't get caught up in 
trivial things that won't matter tomorrow. Like we don't get caught up in things that don't matter tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. We like new experiences and we like, you know, having fun, but we like work. I mean, I was at my office uh, with friends until six this morning, five or six this morning, just like just work. And it, it's this the is most a Sunday. Fun. Yeah. It's context. For yeah. People. On Saturday night, my entire Saturday, I don't go out. <laughs> Really, like, uh, you know, I don't, like, do too much. Like, uh, you know, every now and then, but for the most part, like, just work. And my friends think like that, you know. I'm, uh, did you seek them out? Was it luck? How did that happen? Did you look at the people you met and say, all right, this guy talks about too much trivial bullshit. I'm just going to have to spend less time with this person. Yeah, you can, H- how, you, did, how did that happen? You can kind of see it in certain people. You know, uh, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Ari, we, we both have... like such small social lives (laughs) virtually non-existent social lives that that it just works like we aren't you know we'll go work like right after this i'll go meet up with them and we'll go right and we enjoy it it is so fun and we don't get like it's not like when i if i heard someone talk about like oh i want to find a bar to go watch the game at while that sounds fun and i really i'm really happy for you i also know that we're just doing two different things. <laughs> two different channels. We're in two different channels. Like, it's like, wait, why are we going to find a bar? What? <laughs> I mean, watch it on your phone in between writing or in between doing what you do. But like, what? what? Have <laughs> why you why al- are you doing that? Have you always had that focus on deep work? Is it because, I mean, it doesn't sound this way, but is it because you were maybe unpopular in school, so you spent a lot of time alone? Like, what? where do you think that comes from? Or is it something that your parents really instilled in you? Um... My parents definitely hard workers, you know, uh, uh, it, it was, I'm really lucky to be able to do something that I enjoy, you know, a lot and to focus all my time and energy into that. But, uh, yeah, I like, cause I, again, I like focusing on things that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go into a, a nightclub, right? You go to a nightclub, there's a lot of good looking people hanging out, right? the thing that really changes the energy is when someone who's accomplished something walks in, right? Like, you know, like you walk in and it's just people that there are some people just there to party and there are certain people there as like just a brief escape from doing something. And those are the people. So I would rather be that guy than just, for sure. You know, you're what are you, just going to hang out. Spectator. Yeah, yeah, spectator. Like, don't be a spectator in life in any capacity. Like, go do something. Okay, so speaking of clubs mm-hmm. this is another bullet from evan <laughs> so he said and this you feel free to refute this okay so evan and his wife took you to it took you dancing at one point and he yeah. said that you'd never been to a proper dance party before not really yeah this this was in uh in texas we're at south by yeah we're we're in south by and it was like uh uh uh, uh, Lisa was saying we're gonna go dancing. I was like, "Oh, really?" I was like, "I never really went to just a dance like that type of dance club. Sure. I'd never done it before." So we went and just like that, it was fun. It was like it was like really fun. I don't think I've been <laughs> since. <laughs> it was fun. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Evan and Lisa, you know, to take me again. But it was really really fun. That's true. That's so ra- it's so rare that I like go out. And I'm trying right now. I'm I haven't done stand up in a little while. I'm trying to try to squeeze in a few more like like new th- experiences and things like that like mm-hmm. wh- when i can but i find myself getting bored constantly like if i'm not working i get bored evan at least that night was fun 
Yes, I need. I'm so. I feel like I've been cheated on by Evan. He's never taken me dancing. No, he never so. took you dancing. <laughs> I mean, now he's got a kid. Oh, no, I know that's what true. He's gonna go dancing yeah, again. May not have much dancing time. <laughs> but if uh, if you were to think of anything that occurs to you as mistakes that novice comedians or stand up comedians make, what are what are some common mistakes? People focus on the wrong things. There's there there. Are, a lot of comedians who aren't funny at all or don't have stage presence but have excellent websites. <laughs> you sure. know, like they have excellent websites and and the shiniest business cards and the headshots are impeccable. <laughs> and who gives a fuck? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they focus on the wrong things. If you focus on and we actually just talked about that. Like if you focus on the work. I think that's all it is. Like, just focus on the content. Focus on exactly what you're putting out. If you had to choose three comedians of any type to combine into one super comedian mm -hmm. for yourself right Ooh. now, who, who comes to mind? And, and, and why would you pick them? Understanding that I'm sure you have a lot of influences and there are a lot of incredibly yeah, funny yeah. people out there, but... Just like, like current... They don't... Alive or dead? Oh, Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, Richard Pryor, I mean, just for being raw and honest, you got to say Richard, right? He's, he's the, the Tupac of comedy, right? <laughs> you know, every list. Also probably my, one of my mom's, if not favorite comedians, top three. Yeah. 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 He's, I mean, because he was honest, right? So Richard Pryor for honesty. Um, Bo Burnham, he's a friend of mine, but I mean it wholeheartedly. Like Bo Burnham, because he's one of, my favorite people to just watch perform he's such a performer he's he's like you your eyes never move away from him while he's on stage you're always excited and he's one of the most brilliant people i've ever met and oh that's a good one that's a good what's a good that third spot is hard because it's like a you know lewis black has amazing timing uh Ellen draws people in in such a great way. Ellen DeGeneres? Ellen DeGeneres is so good. I, I, I told I did a show and I told her, I was like, you got to do stand-up again. She was really good at stand-up. Um, oh, man. that's It, it, it doesn't really have hard. to be just three. I mean, you can take those Yeah, I mean, take I those, mean, like those are, yeah, those, those that I named are great. I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to say Cosby now to someone without then a slew of other questions. But I mean, as far as a comedian, he was, I mean, excellent. And I mean, his rhythm and control over a room was great. Uh, Chris Rock, man, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, a lot of, there, are a lot yeah. of, there are a lot of greats out there. What in general do you think separates a... Dave Chappelle's obviously, you know, incredible. incredible. What separates a good working comedian from a great comedian good from great i think honesty you know and by honesty i mean just like your own truth whatever excites you whatever you're excited to perform or say or or do on stage you know being honest to that an understanding of perception uh okay. because as a performer you, you i mean you have to know how this is coming across Right. And you have to adjust accordingly because, you know, sometimes you want to make sure the intention is showing 
and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you think you're being like, oh, I'm just I get on stage and I'm so, you know, like I'm I'm honest and I'm these things and it and it may seem like you're just bullshitting, right. <laughs> you know, like right. you have to be aware of what the audience is seeing, you know, yeah, and a, a, a you know a, a business sense like a, a good a, a sense of realizing that it is a the you know an industry, mm-hmm. you know, it is. Because a lot of times comedians get frustrated with certain things, but it's like, yeah, that that's part of any a business. Like, you know, understanding business to a certain extent is really important. I think having an appreciation for it helps too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can learn to appreciate the, you know, it's hard with art because you want to keep it separate and you want to make something that's pure, but you also want to know how to market it and you also want to know how to, you know, that's really important. It's tough. I mean, and as you pointed out with the shiny business cards and the websites, it's the marketing can turn into a crutch and a tool for procrastinating doing oh, yeah. the work. Yeah, absolutely. Work. Absolutely. You make this thing and then you figure out, all right, well, how do we how do we get this in the right hands? You know, how do we make sure the right people see and hear this? Uh your on stage persona seems and maybe this will sound strange, but a little darker than your sort of in real life yeah. persona. What's is that a deliberate decision or is that just how the inner truths come out? What what is the it, it's a certain amount of comfort on stage. It, it, I'm in this environment where I can share these thoughts no matter how dark or how weird <laughs> they may be. It's like, you know, it, it, in this lovely setting, I wish we could see just this in this lovely We're setting. Sitting in I, an outdoor garden with wooden tables with our pomegranate tea sparkling water and blueberries <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's super delightful and not the place for some of my for some of <laughs> the my dark thoughts the darkest thoughts and like things that i want to explore i mean i i'm open to any conversation i actually prefer you know the realer the conversation the better like you know small talk is obviously boring and <laughs> you yeah. don't want to get caught up in that type of thing but but uh on stage i'm just so comfortable sharing you know, it's just, it's something that kind of clicks and you're just like, oh, okay, this. And I suppose that's the environment for it, right? I mean, that's the environment. That's yeah. where you have the immunity bracelet too. I mean, yeah. As the sort of quiet. Socially, you have certain cautions. I'm sorry. Cut yeah, you, yeah, off, no, but no, yeah. you have certain cautions and certain things, certain things that you don't want to cross because, you know, again, in this environment, you don't want to make people uncomfortable. They may not, they didn't sign up for that. Right. But I try and enter stage with zero fear zero fear and just yeah this is this is what i wanted to say what do you so to to achieve that state of zero fear i'm sure repetition has a lot to do with it but let's say before your special Mm -hmm. the first special what did you what did you say to yourself before getting on stage or what what did your pregame look like um i try to keep it like i'll just honest to any performance uh that that one i remember just being in the back and I remember there being like a couple too many people in the green room. You got to like <laughs> kind of ask to leave and it just, you just want to think about jokes and like the, you know, the first tape and I was too aware of the production and then the, oh, that same night we, you do two shows. So then the second show, it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking about the production at all. Like I, I, I just want to think about the material cause that's what we wanted to capture. So I was in the right space by the second show, the first show, uh, I was still kind of a producer. You know, and I was still cameras and this type of thing and a bit more, you know, hands on. And and then the second show, I was just 
So you seem you seem like a very confident guy. When do you have self doubt, or can can you remember a point any time in your life when you had like a, a particularly dark period or a lot of self doubt? I mean, as a kid, when you if you don't know exactly who you are, then it it leaves room for so many questions. So and that's self doubt manifesting itself in that form of just questioning everything about you and 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 once you kind of figure that out so truthfully humor played a big role in that like so i'm i'm kind of have a similar demeanor uh uh since the eighth grade i think since the eighth grade since discovering that it's kind of been a similar you know vibe for me (laughs) just like uh you know i i know what i'm good at i know what my abilities are and anything else i don't really care about what's your position on writer's block it's i mean it's necessary you know it's a it's a necessary it's natural you know there you can try and get yourself out of it you just kind of have to release it and maybe a lot of times I, i realize for me it means that i'm holding on too tight and i'm trying to i'm trying too hard maybe a certain thing and i just need to like let it go how do you do that? Focus on something else. You know, focus on focus on something else and then it'll come to you. Is there a This is a very yeah, exciting there, location. It is very exciting. Oh, there uh, are a lot of people on a balcony. Yeah, there are yeah, yeah. a lot of people jumping around and across the street. Screaming on a balcony and, and it looks like it's gonna end horrible. <laughs> a man just skated out on a balcony. Oh, it's going to end very oh, bad. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement or, or here. Not, or, or it's someone's birthday. I don't know why I immediately went to a negative. Like, oh, there's, there's no way this ends good. There's no way. Oh, there's definitely domestic abuse going on in there. You got someone. <laughs> I mean, if you see something, say something. But I'm, I'm saying I something. I see a poodle, and it looks like it's on the edge of the precipice. But yeah, so much, so much <laughs> going on in they Los Angeles fun. today. Yeah. Uh, what types of things do you shift your focus to when you're trying to let go does that mean you go bowling does that mean you a lot of times, watch a movie a, a lot of times yeah i like taking in other content you know so maybe watch a movie watch something that's interesting read a book go, uh, go on a walk mm-hmm. i haven't been walking as much as i used to. i used to walk around all the time i did the other night in the rain it was one of the greatest nights ever i just like walked around in the rain for like two hours and listened to marvin Gaye. that sounds amazing what precipitated that it was raining and I had two hours. I had two hours free. It was late. I was. Uh, I should have been asleep, but I was like, "Oh, it's raining." I was leaving uh, dinner, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go on a walk." And I was like, "I was on my way back to my place," and uh, I was like, "No, I'm just gonna go on a walk." And, and I didn't think it was gonna be that long, but it was like two hours in the rain. The hood off. Kept the hood off. Just let it. Yeah, it was great. Why did you decide to keep the hood off? I just wanted to experience the rain. <laughs> I like it. It was rain, you know. Like I was like, I didn't want. I don't want to. It's like if I'm gonna be in the rain, I'm gonna be in the rain, right? You know, if you gotta do it, don't do deny it. the experience. Don't deny that. the experience. Like uh, so, I just walked around. It was great. You mentioned books. Do you uh, do you like to read? It's fun. It's really fun. I like I like biographies, and I like uh, uh, I had never been a guy that got into like like novels, and we we're talking about like science fiction books earlier because I, I, I always like information. Sure. Like I was like I was I like I want information, you know. Like and then I'll create a thing, but I just want information. Uh, but uh, I read the book, the sellout. The sellout. Yeah, it's it's ex- the language. Is it? A it reminds novel me. Of, yeah, yeah. Of um, it reminds me of like 
language wise of like confederacy of dunces like sure. the language is so good it's so they're sent i i i literally was like driving around repeating like sentences from the book just over and over. it's so good how did you choose the sellout was it recommended to you or how? yeah a friend of mine recommended it to me and it just wanted i mean I'm sure. It, it, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have read it. Uh, it one, I can't remember the uh, like the Booker Prize. Uh, the Booker Prize. It won the Booker Prize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but a friend of mine recommended it to me, and the language in it is. I mean, real, the language excites me. You know, because oh. it's it's so it's so well written, crafted, so well crafted. Yeah, is you know, is these lines that you just I wish I could think of. You mentioned the. You mentioned Malcolm X. Are there any other autobiographies or biographies that uh, you could recommend? Humph- I, I, I wish I remember uh, who wrote it, but I read the uh, Humphrey Bogart uh, biography that that I loved. God, I wish I knew the author. I can look it up and I'll yeah. put it in the show notes for folks. Yeah, and and his his story is so interesting and just like him kind of starting so late. You know, like or or getting the recognition so late, but but like any good thing, like we found a man who knew who he was. By the time he achieved stardom, he knew exactly who he was. So it was so. If if you were talking to someone, because this has come up a few times, who had the self doubt because everything was open to question, mm-hmm. they hadn't discovered something like comedy early mm-hmm. on. How would you suggest they learn who they are? Sit alone, be alone, sit in silence. You know what I mean? Like, like, and not just saying like some, you know, shaman-esque experience where someone will just sit, like sit and think, go like, go on, like get to know yourself and be honest with your, like the responses that you have, you know, mostly to things like know what you're good at, have an honest assessment of yourself, honest assessment of your life and know what you're good at and know where you can contribute the most. Find out where you can control because it's not always through work. You know, like a lot of people, sometimes people make the mistake of like thinking it's always through what you, you won't always have necessarily that career, but you, your life can be fulfilled and you can contribute in a meaningful way, you know, to those around you, to, you know, your environment. So just try and contribute. Well, I think the, what you said just before that also is really important. And that is being aware of how you emotionally respond to things. Yeah, because I think a lot and I did this for a long time. I learned how to mute that because I was trying to be so hyper analytical that I didn't pay attention to my visceral response to yes. things. And that is this massive computing power of the subconscious that is telling you something and I learned to override it for so long. Yes. And I only really in the last few years have felt very comfortable in my own skin. It's because I've started to I think in part, pay a lot more attention to that. If I'm sitting with someone and the deal they're pitching sounds great, but mm-hmm. I just feel off around them, yeah. I pay more attention to that now. You c- Because this is someone that you're going to work with a lot. <laughs> you know, like you're going to have a lot of interactions with. And if something is off, if it's just not right, then then it something's going to go wrong. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. going to hit, a, it's go- that, that, feeling is going to be addressed either immediately or it's going to be delayed and i'd rather address it now up front and avoid <laughs> yeah oh avoid absolutely like a disaster <laughs> yeah a 10x compounded disaster yeah, later exactly and uh, it took me a long time to 
learn that a good contract doesn't make a good relationship <laughs> at all <laughs> at all at all it's basically just this is what happens if we get a divorce but it doesn't ensure you're gonna have a good marriage does it when you hear the word successful to you who comes to mind oh man jay-z steve jobs jerry seinfeld oprah all all good names, all well-known names. Is there any particular commonality for you? Uh, honesty. They're, they're themselves. They're very unapologetic about being themselves. That's pretty much it. And yeah. they, they've found a way to let that come out in, a, in an artful way. Like in a, in a like in through their work or their art and their careers, like they found a way to to build a career around them. Mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know... Going. Bending themselves Ex- exactly. what they perceive as a career. Exactly. So those are the... Yeah. I don't know if you're much of a gift giver, but do you give books or anything else to people as gifts? Like, what are your go-to gifts? If I'm excited it? about anything, then I try and share it with everybody in my life. Immediately. If I, if I go to a new restaurant and I love it, all of my friends have gone there with me. <laughs> At some point, I'm bringing every, I'm bringing everybody. You, I, I need you to share it. I need, and I also want to talk about it with you. Yeah. You know, I want to have an exchange. I want to like analyze it. I love that. That's what I live for. So, like, if I love a book, then I I send it. I send it to everybody. What is the last book or any books that come to mind that you've done that with? What's the last book that I sent to everybody? It was uh there was this there was this book by Eric Butterworth, uh, 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 "Discover the Power Within You," that kind of interpreted the Bible in a in an interesting way uh, to me, and and the way that I feel like I always knew and understood it, you know, or the way I wanted to understand it, and it articulated it in such a a great way that I was like everybody, relig- religious, not religious, it. it uh, it's it's really good about discovering self, about answers being within, about that. Eric Butterworth. Eric Butterworth. His name makes you want waffles. <laughs> right? Or like just like, it does. Yeah. It does now, especially since you've now said it. Now I really want yeah, waffles. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the title or I can find the title? Yeah. Discover the power within you. I don't like the title. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, sure. Just very putting literal. it out there. It's very, it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit on the nose. Like, nothing the else. Nose. Yeah, nothing else. Like nothing else. I guess it's good. I mean, you know, there are no unanswered questions in that title. But, <laughs> but I sent it to everybody. I mean, atheist friends got that book. You know what I like about like that book? People, I noticed what people, the people who got it and the people who didn't. It was like accepting certain truths sound really cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if yeah. you can get people won't allow themselves to accept it, like just, the, like certain, you know, th- that you are what you think and you are what you believe types of things. And like yeah. that you do need to affirm certain principles that like sound super cheap. And don't get me wrong, like because I analyze everything and I'm like pick on everything. And I get that it's if you can get beyond right. that and just accept it. And don't make yourself feel guilty about it. Sure. <laughs> I really think it, like a lot of principles in it can change your life. I, it makes me think of a guest I had on some time ago, Shay Carl, who's a huge uh, YouTube celebrity. is I think close to 3 billion views now. Insane. 
And he's also very atypical YouTube star in the sense that it's the Shaytards. It's it's uh, it's Shay and his family, Mm -hmm. bunch of kids in Utah, and so it's not the typical fast cut, you know, eighteen year old making videos for twelve year old setup. It's 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 very atypical in that sense. But he said, whenever and uh, again, paraphrasing, but roughly. When you hear a cliche, pay attention because a truth is being told. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's true of all cliches. I don't yeah. think it is. But I've come to appreciate things that I always disregarded because I heard them too often, like water under the bridge. Don't cry over spilt milk. Yes. You you learn to turn off your you interpretation dis- of that. You just disregard you it. You disregard it. And but, you're looking for, well, what's the real answer? It's like, no, no, that's actually really deep. Yeah. If you think about things it. Things that your fourth grade teacher told you. Yeah. Kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, oh, wait, I can be anything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to accept because the world just jades you. And, and it makes you, uh, what is the world doing us? <laughs> if you had to give, say, a TED Talk about something you're not known for, so it can't be comedy, mm-hmm. probably it can't be television, can't be writing, what would you, what topic would you choose? Choosing the right friends. Choosing, like, I think that, like, choosing the right people to be around that will spark certain things within you and knowing how you can use each other, mm-hmm. you know, and how you can contribute to each other's lives. I think I could. So, this is, this is such an important topic. Mm-hmm. If, for people listening who say, yes, I want to learn more about this, is there, is there some recommendation or an exercise or an action step or something I should do more of or less of? Is there an action that you could recommend? Don't disregard, don't dismiss anyone, right? Actually look for, I, this is going to sound so cheesy, right? Um, but this but is a, this we, is You've a already thing. given them the cat. I've already, yeah. So uh, at my best, I, I, I do this like ex, this exercise and I could have read this somewhere. I'm not even saying that I've made this up. I think I did, but I may have read it somewhere. So my apologies, but it's a, uh, like I pretend I'm at the bottom of a well and every face that I see, I, I I imagine them being the face that peers over inside and has the ability to help me and, and like rescue me from something. And it makes you look at every, everyone looks, first of all, amazing. When you're at the bottom of a well. When you're at the bottom of oh, a yeah. well and everyone looks in and, and, and in that, that's like just an exercise for just people in general, but it, it really means that everyone does have an ability to give something to you and just kind of looking for that and searching for that first right. in people. Oh, it helps tremendously. I love that. Yeah. That's a really visual yeah. exercise for me, which helps too. I'm just very yeah. visually hardwired. You see it. You, if you do that, like I, I was, uh, like outside a movie theater and I I was doing it once and just everyone looked, everyone was glowing. (laughs) You know, like everyone was just like, oh man, you, thank you. Thank God for you. (laughs) I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Outside a movie theater, were you waiting for someone or were you just... I was loitering. Loitering. (laughs) Literally loitering outside of a movie theater. Like like years ago, I was like, I left the movie and I was just sitting outside of it loitering. Just kind of thinking. Just sitting with yourself. Being a weirdo. <laughs> being, a, being a guy who clearly doesn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, what is the 
so what is bad advice that is given out frequently in your world? Oh, and you man, can define so and you much. and you can pick any world that you're involved with. Anything that begins with you gotta <laughs> Yeah. You ain't gotta do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you got oh, in my world, where do I begin? It's mostly it's ninety nine point nine percent bad advice. Yeah. And and it's such a new scary world, like especially enter, entering into comedy or television or film, and you're looking for answers. Yeah, you know, you're trying to figure it out, but nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what Everybody's they're talking about. Everyone's making it up, <laughs> you know. And it's a, a lot of times it's the people can only tell you what works for them, and maybe that applies to you, you know, like like as far as technical things, like maybe that applies to you, maybe it doesn't. So even just like. I don't know. The worst thing is just like looking for it. It's probably like looking for like advice. Just don't, don't listen to anybody. Or if you're looking for advice and it starts with, you gotta, you gotta see, see when you have, you gotta like, it's usually people like aren't where they want to be. Yeah. The the person who just readily hands out advice is usually not where they want to be. <laughs> you know, like busy, sure. busy people aren't just around in the back <laughs> telling you what you got to do next. <laughs> Although if someone finds you loitering in front of a yeah. movie theater. Yeah, yeah, I may be, you know. Like, <laughs> available yeah, for yeah. advice. I like to think I loiter the way Socrates does, but we all like to think the best of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh what is your favorite or do you have any favorite failures? Meaning a failure yeah. or something that was perceived as a failure by you or other people that ended up setting the stage for greater success. I, uh, I, <laughs> I did, uh, they had this comedy showcase in San Diego years ago. It was just starting off and it was the NBC diversity showcase. <laughs> and, uh, I should have never done that. Should have never gone down. I went down to it. I didn't make it to the final round, mind you. Thank God. <laughs> oh my God. It could have ended horribly Tim. Like, cause if had had I had I made it to the final round, I would not have a show on NBC. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it would they would have put me in a box. I'm the the little the diversity kid. The diversity um, champion. Yeah, the diversity champion. I would it's like like when in like Miss America, like what am I gonna go around and like that's do a couple on your bio parades and wave? Yeah, that's your that. It's immediately like a box that you're in. I'm so thankful I didn't like, and it's really just a thing that people do to feel good about. <laughs> yeah, feel good about themselves, like the sure. corporations do to feel oh, good about right. themselves. You know, sure. like like I'm so thankful. I I call that one of my biggest mistakes. Do even going. I'm so thankful that I didn't make it to the final round of that because it would have ruined everything. Like, like seeking, seeking, seeking any shortcut or easy answer is always a mistake. You know, the you. pyramid scheme of it all. <laughs> pyramid you know scheme I mean? of comedy. Of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, so, so I'm really happy I did that because it made me ignore anything that could be remotely, like I would... For me personally, and I'm not because people have benefited from this and have, have turned it into lucrative, amazing careers. But for me personally, like any, I would never do any type of reality competition type. Thing. No, I wouldn't. I, uh, like I just would. I always refused that. And like the closest I came was like within my first year doing that. How do you walk? And maybe it's not a fine line, but I, I'm sure people think about this. How do you establish a unique style? yourself mm -hmm. without getting pigeonholed listen to yourself 
Yeah. Listen to what you want to do. And if you don't want to do it anymore, stop. Change, you know, like grow, change, evolve. You are unique, you know. Uh, The only, the most unique thing you can do is be yourself. Yeah. You know, this is, God, I sound like a real substitute teacher right now. (laughs) (laughs) A real substitute teacher. No, but it's true. Who is it? Groucho Marx or Oscar Wilde? I always confuse those two, but it's like, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Everybody else is taken. That's, yeah, yeah, it's a perfect way of saying it. Like, that's. And if you want to sound like a substitute teacher, I'll just sound like a fortune cookie (laughs) Uh, or like the back page of a newspaper that's full of quotes. But also, you mentioned something earlier, which was the people, the people who matter don't mind. And Dr. Seuss has a great quote. Yes. The the people who mind don't matter and the people who matter don't mind. Yes. Yes, exactly. It really, Dr. Seuss got it. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Seuss had a lot to him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That guy was, oh man. I went, uh, I, I, I like, I, I go on stage and you, you see a lot. What's interesting about comedy is that you get to see a lot of immediate examples of what you're doing. Like, like, just like a, it's like, um, you mean in terms of immediate feedback, immediate, well, not even, not even feedback, but like the, the, the competition type of thing. Like, like if you're in the, like in a, in maybe in a tech world, like some type of expo, you know, right, like right. where you get to see what other people are doing. Right. With comedy, that's every night. Every night, there's a new, you know, it's a, it's it's a new know, showcase. It, like the three E or, or not three? What's the electronics expo? Whatever, oh, like CES, CES, and all that type of stuff. In the, you know, it's like Comic Con every night. You know, like you're just seeing what everybody's <laughs> doing, right? And and so you get to you get to know where you are in context of your world, uh, pretty quickly. Well, especially if you've chosen to put yourself in a place like LA. Yes. That's why it's important for me. That's why it was important. And to some people, I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm sure you could find immediately a story that is like, well, this guy was in, you know, Kansas and did all right for himself. But like, I really think that knowing where you fit in in context, like if, you know, doing a television show, I watch all the television shows doing film. I'm watching every film, especially current, like, cause you want to know where you fit and cut. You want to know where you fit in in history and you want to know where you fit in the current landscape. So it's important to be informed, you know, for, for me, again, I, for me, it is, you know, I like to know. So when you moved out here to do comedy, did you have in your mind any backup plan? Like if the comedy doesn't work out or I'm going to give myself six months or any type of thinking along the no lines? No plan B for me. I mean, I had an aunt who, uh, the closest I came to a plan B was that I was in LA for a little bit and I have an aunt in New York that I was like, well, if it doesn't work for some reason here and I'm just homeless, then I'll go stay with her. Mm-hmm. You know? And, no, that's, and, I mean, and, that's and, a plan but, B, right? I mean, that's a, but it's a, mentally you had, it was, yeah. you de- de-risked it, de-risked it for yourself in a way. Yeah, it, but really that was even like a that was a long shot to me. Right. You know, like even, and I would have been just gone to New York and done the exact same thing that I'm doing here. Right. You know, like so it was kind of just another route to plan A for me. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it was I was just that, so that was the closest to a B. It was like a it was like an an A point five. Just taking another <laughs> lap around half. the track. Yeah, what's the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, well, because I was just here just doing stand up and I was like, well, and that was purely a logistic thing where I was like, well, if I can't, like, I just literally can't sleep on the street, I guess. 
frowned upon. Which I would have been, I truthfully, I would have been cool with for a little while. Like, got, thank God I didn't have to, but I would have been cool with that. I, was, I loved it. I loved doing comedy. So I would have just gone to New York and just, you know, <laughs> stayed there. If for whatever reason, at some point, you stop liking comedy, mm-hmm. let's just say, but you need to keep yourself busy, what would you, what would you do instead? I'd take an educated swing at something else. I don't know. Uh, I just stopped liking comedy. Or you were like, you know what? I've been doing this for, let's say, down the road. You're like 20 years, 30 years in. Okay, I just need a gear shift for a little bit to come back to this fresh. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably do some weird artist stuff. Go like, you know, be be like Bob Dylan, start painting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like just like... uh uh record some songs in a in a nice basement yeah release it under an alias <laughs> that type of stuff sure. like uh probably something creative or 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 something like really specific or just substitute teach for a little bit <laughs> you know like just see what the yeah i don't know i don't know all right well hopefully you'll be in love with comedy for a very long Thank time you. to come if you had a huge billboard and you could put any short message on it or an image non-commercial just to get something out to the world what would you put on it oh wow i mean come on man that's a great give me a second you're gonna have to edit out a long pause oh oh that's i like the pauses i'll let the silence do the work on this one oh man oh this is i mean (laughs) yeah this is really this is genuinely hard because you're like probably don't listen to anybody don't listen to anybody. Yeah. You know, like, and obviously that comes with the, obviously you'll collaborate with people and, and you'll be so inspired by others and their people that you'll work with. And, but what I mean is just like anything that directs you away from you, ignore it. Or anything that starts with you gotta. Anything that starts with you gotta, you ain't gotta do anything, man. <laughs> just bad grammar you gotta you can, i have to use bad grammar you ain't gotta do nothing i uh, all right so there are two two things mm-hmm. from evan that i wanted to make sure i hit yeah so the first one maybe we we may not explore for very long the last point he said was he has an eight foot penis so oh. did that come about because of the scene yes. Uh, in neighbors <laughs> that I, for those I, who haven't seen the film yeah i uh i don't know where that came from <laughs> i genuinely don't know where, it may be a thing he may have said to me uh i never thought i would have to clear that rumor up it's not that long that's that's uncomfortable that's that's the other the other direction of like when what girl's gonna want to sleep with me when you have to coil it around your waist yeah, like that like just a sounds cumbersome <laughs> Okay. I think you probably didn't expect me to bring that yeah, up on the yeah. podcast, but I yeah, had yeah, to. I'm try- and watch, it's going to hit me like in the car later. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, that's what he meant by that. Oh, I'm we, wondering we, if it's something else. We can do yeah. a postscript. We yeah, can yeah, do a, yeah, exactly. We <laughs> can have it run on the credits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, 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 the point that I think we might be able to unpack a little bit more is he's mentioned that, and you, we, you talked about the newspaper earlier. And I guess it was Kwame. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yep. Who got Kwame you? Re- who got you reading the paper? That you can read something, say in the newspaper, and then use it somehow on stage that night. And uh, what helps you to do that? 
or how do you kind of think? being in tune with your your feelings, you know, and your and, and your thoughts and how and your true feelings. Like I, I I will say a lot of times I'll um I'll I'll be able to like say a joke the first time and it's kind of a finished product. You know, like I'll say there was a a thing um that was like online of just me talking about Chick-fil-A. That was virtually my first time doing that joke. I think I like maybe mentioned it the night before, but it was like the first time it just sounds like a finished product because it's like, oh no, I know how I feel about this. I know what I want to say and the points I want to hit. And then you say it and then that's it. So I think it is just like kind of being in tune. If you're in tune, things come out a little bit, you know, easier. Do you, is there anything in your creative process for developing material that is unusual when you when you describe it to other stand-up comedians or other people it's a good question i mean pro, how, yeah i wonder what's unusual about it because there i mean i think i ignore a lot of things that people don't like meaning like industry stuff and you know like things that i think things that matter to a lot of comedians don't necessarily matter to me or I realized that focus, it's kind of going back to what we said earlier, like focusing on just myself and the work gets that thing that, you know, so I, I think I ignore uh, more things than like a lot of comedians. Have you, what helps you to do that? Do you say anything to yourself in particular? Is that just hardwiring? Yeah, I mean, it's it's both emotional and, and logical to me. Like, you know, emotionally, it's just like, well, if if I don't think that I can if I don't think this is meaningful, then I'll cut it out of my life. And logically, if you look at history, you'll see the things that fall out and you'll see, you you can read this. That's why I like reading biography. You see, you read about people's mistakes and read about the things that ultimately didn't matter. So it's like, I don't want to focus any energy on anything that doesn't matter or won't matter. Right. Yeah. The distractions of life. Yeah. The distractions of life. Yeah. I mean, that's probably like, that's, yeah, that's probably why I'm not like, and also that is a personal thing because it for instance there we were talking about like social media right and certain people are great and a source of you know uh inspiration and a source of like great content on social media for me i it doesn't contribute to my life in a meaningful way so i don't do it yeah yeah this is gonna this is a left turn but all these are left turns so i guess we're just going in a square Kind of counterclockwise. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what is the what purchase of say less than a hundred dollars, but just any purchase really is fine that has had the most positive impact on your life in recent memory? Probably ever, like a notebook, notebook, a notebook and pens, like just write. And I don't even write out jokes, but I write out thoughts. What you type know, of notebook? Goals and thoughts, or goals written. and thoughts. Yeah. What? Do you have a particular type of notebook that you like? I mean, my my grandma would get me some for like uh, Christmas. These these little small pocket size one, the little. But really, any notebook will do. Just yeah. any like notebook. That and the bolognese at John and Vinny's are the two most impactful. The bolognese at John. Yeah, and the bolognese at uh, John and Vinny's, uh, and notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> what types of thoughts do you write down? Because we all have. A million plus thoughts a day. What types of things do you write down? Really anything that like anything that sticks out, how I feel about people, how I feel about me, 
what I want, what I just like anything that's like worth just kind of journaling essentially. It seems to have a strong, it seems to tie back a lot to what you were mentioning earlier, which is your emotional response to different things. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what my emotional response. It's like capture. I want to know because you see it. If you look at it and if you write down a goal, like you have this image now in your head, it's not just this floating thought. It's an image that you have in your head. What types of goals would you write down? Um, I'll write down really like general and like specific things. Can you give you know? any examples? Like, I mean, for instance, like present. really the the two first career goals I remember. Um, I wrote down that I wanted uh, my first time doing stand up on television to be HBO, and I wanted a, a show on NBC. And I remember writing like that. Those are very broad goals, but but I wrote down specifically like the HBO thing. And actually, as I was uh, like just doing stand up and going over like old thoughts, like preparing for the first special, I actually grabbed an old notebook, the one I didn't realize I written it in, and it, the night before we taped, and I kind of like opened it and I just turned the page, and there it was, like the goal, like HBO special. Now, did you write it down once and then it was embedded for years? Yeah, I can you... still tell you exactly how it was written on a page. It's like I skipped a few lines. It was, HBO was written in big letters, and then I wrote like like you know just a couple sentences about how I wanted to, to look and feel. Documentary is written down, so I wanted it to be a documentary and like specific like ideas about it. Same thing for the next. We just did a. I just taped another special, and same thing, same pay. I like the word invasive. Invasive. It's written down invasive. I wanted it invasive. I wanted it emotionally honest. I wanted it to go past just jokes. And I didn't want to just tell you jokes, you know, and I wanted it just to be real and, a, you know, exploration, like these certain words that I think, you know, was captured. I mean, uh, bold director. And it's like, really, I think he's brilliant and he captured it so perfectly. But yeah, these really personal things. Well, I think you are one of the most, uh, honest and dangerous in the best way possible comedians out there today thank you very I much i really enjoy your work uh do you have any parting thoughts comments requests of the people listening and then i'll ask you where people can find you and uh everything you're up to no i mean no try the bolognese try the bolognese at uh john <laughs> try the bolognese and then uh, i'm That's gonna it. try and i'd recommend people try the the face at the top of the well exercise Oh, I like that. Thank you. That's perfect. You plugged it for me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> That's saying my job. It's uh, I really want to see if I if I created it or stole it from someone. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there will someone be able to will figure be like, it out. No, no, I was doing I was doing face at the top of wealth for, for 30 years. <laughs> like someone's gonna say it on soap. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, we we, we find know. out it's like in the Tao Te Ching. Like, <laughs> it like, might oh, be. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything that is old is once new again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. I really Thank appreciate you. it. This and, is awesome, man. Yeah, and uh, what a what a great environment. All sorts of weirdness. We have a uh, we have a, a wooden horse to the left of us. Yeah, it is <laughs> a horse. A horse. It's like a retired uh, merry-go-round yeah. horse. <laughs> It's like reti- it's like it retired here. There's a lot happening right now, yeah. and uh, I want to let you get back to your day. Where can people find you? What you're up to? What can they check out? Where should they start? Uh, Anything you want to tell them? Be around, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the truth. Yeah. Maybe loitering outside a movie theater. <laughs> probably walking around LA or New York. Website, social? Nah. Nah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to sneak it into the show notes for people interested. <laughs> yeah, it, it's there. I, I, 
Uh, they can find you. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. It's people I'm around. Google and if I'll you see you guys. How the hell did you find yeah, this podcast? Say hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I will put links to everything we've talked about in the show notes as per usual. And you can find those notes, links, as well as every other episode at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. All spelled out fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. And until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Love around too soon. Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check Check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com, all spelled out, and just drop in your email, and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it.